SMC Fireside Chats, a weekly show featuring conversations with thought leaders, entrepreneurs, and outdoor hospitality experts who share their insights to help your business succeed. Hosted by Brian Searle, the founder and CEO of Insider Perks, empowered by insights from Modern Campground, the most innovative news source in the industry. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of MC Fireside Chats. My name is Brian Searle with Insider Perks. Stuck inside today against my will. I am in British Columbia. Unfortunately, we're dealing with some wildfires in the area. So got a beautiful setting outside, but unfortunately can't enjoy it today. So inside next to my trusty tomato plant, which was the only green thing I could find that represented the outdoors. So super excited to be back here to, uh, today for another campground owner-focused episode. We've got a recurring guest, Joe Dumeg from At My Community, joining us. We've got Sean Vildrine from four points rv resort also off resorts did you see that i almost did that singular sean and you keep growing it's definitely been a plural for a long time so four points rv resorts and he's going to talk a little bit about some really cool things he's been up to since he was last a guest on our show and of course we have leanne who is she didn't get the reference for those of you who've seen the lincoln lawyer this is leanne from the campground space i feel like there's must be some kind of fancy office that is not showing in the camera but Super excited to have Leanne here from Tiger's Trail RV Resorts. Going to talk a little bit about her RV resort, how she got started, things like that. I guess let's start with Leanne. Tell us about Tiger's Trail RV Resort, Leanne. Tiger's Trail RV Resort is under construction still, which is why I'm in my fancy office. A wonderful, it's a great office. Some I would days keep the it's office open, anyway. some days it's closed. <laughs> I I've think told, I will. I've told, really have I told you this, Joe? Have I? I've told people that I will have an RV one day as long as it's self-driving and I can work out of it because that would be cool. Then I could really go everywhere. But go ahead. Sorry. The best of every world. The Jeep's really been helpful when during construction at some point needed to put it in four-wheel drive to get out of a little muddy spot. But no mud these days. It's all very dry and the grass is beginning to grow. This morning we had our first permanent permanent visitors our fish came into the pond so our pond got stocked we'll be ready for our guests to catch something they didn't bring hush puppies though i don't know if they were bringing (laughs) me that much fish they should have brought some sides with that we're getting ready for our soft opening on september the first we've got our pickleball courts we've got our pool and lazy river just about finished Everything's coming along nice, and we've gotten lots and lots of people interested in making reservations already. I can't wait to get them all here. So I'm curious, from a development standpoint, and we've talked to a number of people who have developed parks from the ground up, and so I want to try to ask you a little bit of very different questions, right? You talk about your soft opening on September 1st, which is now, what, 15 days away, 14 days away. How do you, as somebody who's developing a park, get to the point where you say, and I'm sure Sean could weigh in on this too, right? But how do you get to the point where you say, this is good enough for a soft opening. September 1st is the date I want to do it versus two weeks later or two weeks before. For us, and I'm the general, for us being open, we've got to be open for the first football games of the season. We're very close to LSU. We're directly across the street from 
a world-class casino, LaBerge, with all the entertainment here, all we had to do was make sure we got our lady and our services ready, and then we'll be ready to go. You're never completely ready for anything, but we're going to get started and make the best of everything. So that's a good point. One, I think it's, and Sean, please feel free to weigh in on this too, as far as the opening question, because we will get back to Tiger Trail and talk more about that. But I think it's an interesting question. Maybe it's a little different for Leanne, because I guess if you have a giant football crowd who's coming down to see LSU play football, they probably don't care that all the amenities are perfect and polished, whereas another type of crowd might or might not. Again, not negatively stereotyping LSU fans. I think that's just they're there to see football, so the campground is secondary. But what do you think, Sean? Yeah, I think she's right. For sure, you're never 100% ready whenever you're opening up new sites or cabins. For example, in Pittsfield, Illinois this year, we added 40 sites and 30 new cabins, and we were taking reservations for them before they were ready because we had a target date of what we wanted to hit, and we were able to meet that target date. But, for example, the sites at that particular time during opening did not have grass fully covering in between the sites. So what we did in that is rather than cancel reservations and whatnot, since we were able to at least let people use it there, what we did is we just offered a promo code to where they got a discount on that because it wasn't 100% complete. But people knew that going in. So I think as long as you're clear and people know exactly what you're doing, that way they don't have a different expectation. Most people are generally fine with that. Yeah, that's a good point is setting expectations for people. And we talk about whether it's a soft opening, regardless of what that is for you. And did you want to weigh in, Joe? I'm sorry. Oh, I thought you said something. I apologize. But regardless of what that soft opening level is for you, I think we've talked about expectations on this in the past, right? So whether it's reviews for your park or communicating that stuff on your website or social media or whatever it may be, just letting people know even long after you're open and two years into the process, right? What kind of stay experience can I have? Is it more family friendly? Is it quiet and geared toward more elderly seasonal snowboard type, snowbird type people? I think that's really critically important. Yeah. I don't need to agree with you because you both. Yeah. We've endeavored to, to all that stuff. Stay in touch. Go ahead, Leanne, please. I'm sorry. We've We're just made on a sure delay. to stay in touch with all our guests who made we've made a great effort to stay in touch with all of our guests who made a reservation so that they would know exactly what to expect. And if they really wanted the lazy river, they lay their weekend. And if it didn't matter to them, then it will be all ready to go. But you're right. Expectations makes all the difference. And my expectation, make sure that whatever you're for, you're going to have a really good time. So here's a let's here's an interesting flip side, and maybe Joe, you can weigh in on this a little bit. Let's think about this from the consumer perspective, right? Like obviously, when you're building a resort, in the case of Leanne or out of the past, right, or any resort, right, the flip side of that is the consumer. So if I'm a consumer, and I and you are, right, Joe, you travel around yep. with your family. How do I decide? Like obviously, Leanne's got a great experience. I know it's going to be brand new. I know it's going to be great. How do I decide as a consumer I'm okay with a trade-off of a partially built thing because I think that will be better than something else that's nearby? Is it just the amenities? Is it I want to see something new before everybody else? I think it's a little bit of everything. I think it's, yeah, I think it's going to be different for every every different every camper, right? In Leanne's case, football season starts, so it doesn't matter <laughs> like, where you're going to stay is where you're going to stay. For a resort, some people have shiny object syndrome and they want to see the first new and shiny thing that exists. 
which can be good and bad, right? Because those also might be the people that are giving you the most, most likely to give reviews. And if things aren't there yet, as long they should be good as long as expectations were set. I think when the, for the consumer, same things that Sean and Leanne just said is communication up front and setting expectations needs to be done because I've seen, we have some customers that are in the process of building still, and they've been building for the past two or three years, but we see on some Facebook groups and stuff like that, that they get blasted because this wasn't there when, and guests were expecting it, or it's advertised on their, shows it on their website and you're making their website look great and showing all the awesome things that they can do when they get to that campground, but that might not be in yet. And so the expectation doesn't necessarily meet reality. Those negative reviews don't exist if the communication was up front. And well, right. Like we have a park we're working with in Canada. I'm just not going to narrow down the regions so and right. we can pick on it. But they have a pool that they were planning on building this summer and they've been waiting for the health authority to approve it for months. Mm -hmm. And it's literally a super quick construction as soon as they can get that final approval to start building. But so it's been on their website for a while have a pool and we're going to put it in and it should be here in May and then it should be here in June and then it should be here in July and now it's August. And At this point, you missed the entire season. But they, but the point is they've continually updated their website to communicate mm -hmm. that with guests. And that's mm -hmm. the key thing. If you can't control anything else, you can control that. And to, to that point, people that have already made those reservations, just updating the website is one thing, but the people that made the reservations, they were expecting in May that was going to be completed. And as Sean mentioned, maybe you offer a discount because the amenities that they expected when they booked are not available. Maybe you offer them a discount on the next trip there when the amenity is available. There's different ways to handle. I think there's different ways to handle that than from a consumer side that they would appreciate. Really, they just appreciate being heard and being communicated with the most. I, th I think from my standpoint, I should say there's you're never going to please everybody. But from my standpoint, absolutely, you know, most people want to be heard. Are there ways that you can hedge that bet as an owner, though? Because and I don't I, we weren't actually in the picture of the Canadian property when they started putting the notice on their website. Are there ways you can hedge that instead of saying we expect our pool to open in May of 2023, period, hard stop, and then people make reservations expecting that? Or can you hedge your bet from a marketing standpoint and say we expect our pool to go in sometime this summer? It's contingent upon health department approval. So then when they make their reservation, they know this is the expectation, but not a specific date and it's not within our control. So then you no longer have to give a discount. I will tell you from our experience is we never give a date. We never, we never ever give a date. And whenever people ask, whenever you post pictures or you're on Facebook, on your Facebook pages of the construction and seeing how things are coming along, you're going to always get people that are going to ask, Hey, we're coming in two weeks. Is it going to be ready? And our position is we're working every day as hard as we can to get it completed as quickly as we can and leave it alone. Once you start giving a date and something does happen, then you certainly are opening yourself up to problems. But with regard to the discount, I think that if you do communicate like that and you're not and you're not committing to something where people do have that expectation, maybe you don't have to offer it. We just chose to do it on these particular sites because of the fact that we had shipping delays with picnic tables as well as fire rings and things like that. And we were still waiting for the grass to finish growing, but we wanted to generate revenue. And if people were willing to come, knowing that they were not going to have a fully grass site, not going to have a fire ring and not going to have a picnic table, and we let them know that, we decided that, you know what, 
since you're not going to get the full experience that we want to deliver, we're going to go ahead and offer you something in lieu of that. So that was just a choice that we made. Did we have to do that? No, but I think that it builds, it's just goodwill. And I believe that whenever you build goodwill like that with your customers, you'll start getting more return guests. We just chose to do it that way, but there's no right or wrong answer, but not committing to something is the easiest way not to have to go back and explain to people why it didn't happen. That's the thing, right? I'm not arguing against the discount. I think you're exactly right. That's good marketing. That's good customer service. That's taking care of your guests. That's building long-term loyalty and appreciation for you. So I think that's always a good thing. But if the owner can have that option to make it less harmful sure. to themselves, if they choose not to, then yeah. And I have two things of what Sean just said. One thing with his is it wasn't necessarily an amenity, not a side amenity, but amenity that was not offered. It was the particular site that they're paying for was not up to the standard that he would charge. If that was the end of the site, you probably wouldn't be charging the same rate for it in the first place. And you were making up that they were getting what they pay for. So you were giving them a discount for that. On the, the other thing you mentioned was about not setting dates. Six years ago when we were a new company, I would say, oh, I'll have that done for sure. Wait, it's really been six years? It it's been, been that long? Years, yep. I'll say, I'll make sure, I'll make sure you have that by the start of your season. I'll make sure you have that. And I, up until probably about a year ago, I'm, I had those and I met those and it was all great. And as customers balloon, as legacy code exists, now it's just not, it's not feasible to say, here's the date it's going to happen because things come up, things get in the way, life gets in the way, employees that were there are no longer there. Like all of that stuff happens. And I realize now I used to work for Oracle. I realize now they move a lot slower when I work there and there's reasons why. And we still don't move that slow. We're not a big company like that, but there's reasons you don't set dates. So this is interesting to me because this is part of like my personal mindset, right? I used to do the same thing, Joe, when we were early in our mm -hmm. company, right? And I learned hard lessons because I feel like I can push myself to work crazy hours to deliver almost anything. And that's <clears> cool. That's fine when I have 20 clients, but when I'm at 450, exactly. it doesn't really work. I don't know what that number was. It was probably like maybe 50 or 60, eight or nine years ago when I had to realize that. But I would, I used to, mm -hmm. I remember telling people like, I'll have your social media posts done by next Wednesday. And it was like 90 mm -hmm. posts I had to do. And it was, I don't know, Monday or whatever, right? Two days from now. And so, yeah, you have to learn those kind of hard lessons, but that's always my mindset. Like I want to give that date and I have to restrain myself right. now because I want to make sure that people feel like I'm taking extra special care of them. Yeah. And I have a question for Leanne in the same vein, and it, it's very similar to the soft launch, but when, and what do you do? What kind of goes into your thought process of when you decide to start opening up reservations for your actual launch? Because you don't want to open up to an empty park, right? You, when you open up and you're doing a full launch, you want to be sure. 50, 75% occupied. That means that you have to open those reservations, I would imagine, prior to you knowing that everything's going to be ready. How, what's the calculus of how you decide when to start opening reservations? We have a crystal ball, and we just shined it up really good and made a good I guess. Like and then we had to move that gas just a little bit because <laughs> things didn't quite work out as expected. And... I've got my fingers crossed. You can't see, but my toes are crossed too, that our electricity comes on just any second now, because that's the one thing <laughs> that's really the last big thing that kind of needs to come on. But everything's on track to make that happen. 
and you really have to take a stab in the dark and make an educated guess and run with it. We have a lot of reservations already and we've had to move some of those. But the thing is, if you're honest with people and somewhat transparent as, without telling more than they really want to hear, but giving them a, a real good reason as to why things have to change, people are very understanding about it. And in this area, there's not a luxury RV resort like this anywhere. You have to go a, an hour or more away and people wanted something like this in the area as a place to stay and a place to play. And so they're willing to roll with us a little bit in the beginning to get something that is really gonna serve them well for a really long time. So how did you choose and what- so I'd advise you a little bit of the wall. <laughs> no, okay. I was just gonna ask you a follow-up question. So how did you choose, I don't even know if I know what area it's in, sorry. My team does. I didn't do my research as perhaps as deep as I should, but what area uh -oh. are you and what do you, what's your vision for when it's completed? What is Tiger's Trail gonna look like? We're in Baton Rouge Road, directly across from LaBerge Casino. So we're right on the Mississippi River. We're seven miles down the road from the LSU football stadium. Also Alex Box baseball. We've, all, we've got a very large soccer complex about three miles away and, and a little league park with attraction sports very close by too. So there are a whole lot of people that come here and need some place to go that maybe isn't a hotel. And there's no um, luxury there are a lot of RVers. in Baton Rouge already? I'm sorry, we're just on a delay. I'm not really trying to talk over you. Not in Baton Rouge. Yeah. Okay. It's okay. I haven't done very many of these, so I'm working my Neither way. Neither have I. You all okay. have to flag me down if I do something wrong. I'll say, <laughs> oh, I'll say it's no doing, you're doing excellent for not having power. <laughs> She's got power in her Jeep, Joe. I can tell a few jokes, too. <laughs> I've got this power. Exactly I've got why life. I can't own. I've got everything but a bathroom. This, this is street. exactly why I can't own an RV resort because if I owned an RV resort, I would just pretend that my electricity was off until everybody got in and then throw the switch and light it up like Christmas lights or something. Surprise! That would and be then fun. Obviously, no one would come back. No, it would be until then. Everybody was like giving me bad reviews, and no one came back to my park, and I went out of business. <laughs> But it would be fun for a couple minutes. Well, cut the Wi-Fi off so they can't make those bad reviews. How about that? See, and, I like. As a matter of fact, we're going to have. This is good advice, Sean. Are you paying attention and taking notes here? <laughs> we're going to Go have ahead, amazing Wi-Fi here. Also, we've got little poles everywhere with all the little Wi-Fi connections, so. You're going to be able to stream the Netflix movie when you don't want to go outside and play. All right. So I interrupted you. Finish telling us what Tiger's Trail is going to be when it gets done. Ah, Tiger's Trail is going to be the most fun place to hang out ever. We've got six pickleball courts. We've got the Lazy River. We've got a hot tub. Of course, every, every body of water is a hot tub here right now. We've got a pool. We will have a Tiki Hut bar in the pool area. Our clubhouse features a campground store, a bathhouse, a laundry room, a fitness center, a lounge area. On the grounds, we, every site has picnic tables, fire rings. We did get all of those in. We've got great trees. We've got a stocked pond. 
the fish are a little small right now. I'll feed them. They'll grow. There's so much to do here on site and in the area that people are going to want to come here over and over. We're across the street from LaBerge Casino. We can also work together with them. And if you're at the pool or at your site and you don't want to make dinner or it's lunchtime and you need to feed your kid a burger, we can go across the street and pick that up for you and bring it back. We'll even work with some other restaurants to bring food here and our concierges will go get it and bring it to you. If it's a time that you want to go over and visit the casino for some of their other dining activities, gaming activities, events that they have concerts, they have comedy shows, they have every kind of fun you can imagine, we'll drive you over there. And if you come back, you want to come back and it's after our office hours have closed, the casino guys will bring you back. So we'll get you back and forth without you having to drive anywhere. It's as though we're one giant campus here. And that is a free service, driving them there and bringing them back. So if they lose all their money at sure. the casino, they can still get safely back home, <laughs> night, which is a market. Yeah. They won't even have to tip me to get me to drive them back and forth. And I tend to tell a few jokes as we go. So if they lost all their money, maybe I can cheer them up a little bit. Leanne, how many sites and cabins are y'all going to have? We have 220 RV sites. And currently we have 10 cabins. We have room for 18 more. We just didn't get them in yet. All of the cabins are stocked with all the furniture you could need, pull-out couches in the living room, queen-size bed in the bedroom. Eight of them have a loft with a queen-size mattress there so you can throw all the kids up there and let them have their own little party. Kitchens are fully occupied with everything you need down to the last fork. Each one of them has a, their own patio area with a picnic table and a grill. Very nice. Okay, two things real quick. Now, we want to clarify that we shouldn't really throw kids. I've got Christine Taylor, the <laughs> lawyer, on my show the first week, and she's been cleaning up my language to make sure that I don't say anything uh -oh. crazy. And that one was specific. She specifically said, don't say that one. Don't it's throw kids. Yes, that's a thing. And then three, and then two, sorry, three. I was skipping two. Two, and there are only two points. I want to clarify that when you say all the kids, you have not met Joe's family. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, we traveled. We traveled. Are they not inside the feral? <laughs> They're not feral, no. Wow. Sometimes we, There's uh, just we a have lot five of acres, them. so we just kind of throw them outside and just let them run for the day. But so maybe sometimes they're feral children. He throws them too. <laughs> okay, but there's but to be fair, there's a lot of them. So the one queen bed in the loft was my point. I wasn't trying to accuse Joe of that. Yeah, we only put three and a queen at a time. <laughs> All right. So what what else do we got to talk about here? Tiger Shale's coming. I'm super excited. I'm sorry, you broke up. I didn't hear what you said. You're looking I'm forward looking to... forward to the kids coming here because I get to, when the kids get here, I get to play with them. And that makes life fun for me. So we'll do some s'mores. We'll do some who knows what kind of fun things we'll do. I've been known to play red light, green light, whatever it takes to keep them entertained. And that might help some of the parents out too. Yeah, that's always a good thing. Identifying, what is your target market down there? Now you talk about like, you're going to have Lazy River, right? Is that what you said? Or was that? Charming? Yes, we have a Lazy River and a pool. 
Our target market is everybody. There's something for anybody here. The football fans, great spot for you. If you're here with your, your kids' soccer team or baseball team, bring the whole team over here. Everybody can have their own site, have plenty of room. And there's a little spot over there that's not fully developed yet. They can go practice kicking a ball if they need to. So our audience is everybody. Okay. So that was- I did have a question yeah. too on, on your audience. So you're right by the stadium or not far from the stadium. Do you, I've seen some parks that are in your setup, they have like football packages. Are you, are you offering stuff like that? Cause I would imagine there, that would be interesting yes. to some campground yes. owners and what people do there. Yes. We'll be offering some football packages and special deals where we can include your bus ticket because there is a bus system that runs from LaBerge to the stadium back and forth several times, I believe during every game so that you'll be able to leave your cars and everything here and we'll take you over to the bus and off you go to the stadium. So I'm curious, logistically speaking, right? And this is not, I'm not saying this is a problem you're going to have, but I'm sure this has come up for some campground or RV resort owner in the past, right? As you blend that mix of, and maybe this isn't early in the days when you're soft opening, but as you continue on, as you blend that mix of football fans and families with young children, how do you foresee avoiding any conflict between those two groups and there may be none but if there is you've never been to louisiana have you everybody's yes, a football fan when i moved to this state they stopped me at the border right. and handed me my lsu jersey so if you're not i was a trying fan, to, I was trying to be nice everybody's a football here's fan. what I, here's what i'm really saying how do you blend the football fans that are over exuberant with too much alcohol with the parents whose children go to bed at seven or eight o'clock at night we'll manage the sites are a far good way apart that i don't think there's going to be any big problems what I was going to say, Leanne, and you probably already have this in your policies and procedures, but I'm sure you're going to have a quiet time whenever things need to calm down. And that'll probably be posted on your website and your check-in package. So here's the deal. If your quiet time is 11 o'clock at night, people can have as much fun until that time. And people that want to go to bed at eight o'clock understand that, hey, people are going to be up at 11 o'clock at night and I got to deal with it. But yeah. We deal with some of that in our parks, Brian, people that want to stay up and party a little bit longer than they should. And you, especially at the Jellystones, whenever you have younger families there with kids, we do run across that issue. But again, if you just, if you stick to your policy and just, you can manage through those situations. I think it was just more in the forefront of my mind and this has nothing to do with campgrounds, right? But my specific use case. So I live in a, an apartment building that's five stories and I have a big balcony and right next to mine is the community area balcony outside. And so I think a couple of weeks ago we were dealing with somebody was ha had rented the space to have a birthday party. And so at five o'clock in the afternoon, they started blaring DJ music, like literally thumping my entire apartment and then didn't stop until 1030 when we had to have multiple noise complaints. So it's very interesting to me now where I wasn't cognizant of it before. Yes, there's a quiet time. Yes, there's a line. But is there a crossing of the line before the quiet time where you have to shut some things down. And that's why I brought it up. Yeah. And I don't know that there's oh, an there answer to that. Always right? will be. Always somebody who breaks the rules. Right. But in this case, right, they're not the, really breaking the rules. The they're, they're, 
there is no noise rules from five and 10 in my place or if they're right. So that's really the, it's a hypothetical. I don't know that there's a one size fits all answer for everybody. There's still a reasonable amount of noise. That's true. Okay. I, everything should, everybody should be able to get along so that everybody gets quite enjoyment of temporary home at an RV park. And as long as they're being reasonable, I think everybody will be okay. But if somebody's unreasonable, we'll deal with those people individually. Awesome. Sounds, sounds good to me. So Sean, I want to switch to you for just a minute. We talked about briefly before the show started, just talking a little bit about some of the things you've been up to in the last few months, and then maybe covering a little bit about a conversation into amenities, but start with what's new with Four Points RV Resorts. Yeah. So I would say the, the most recent transaction that we had probably prior or after the last show that I was on is we closed the Jellystone Park at Lake Monroe in Bloomington, Indiana. And I'm actually up here this week. Basically, right now, I mean, we're get we're coming to the tail end of the season. We're getting ready to get hit Labor Day weekend, and then we'll roll into October to Halloween weekends, and then after that, the parks up in the north are going to be on the on the downturn as far as getting winterized and closed up. So we have we're we're working to have a strong push to the end of the season, at least up here in the north. But yeah, this was a great acquisition for us. We really like it. We like the area. The population density is very strong. We're only about forty five minutes south of Indianapolis, so we really like the market. And we do have plans to to make improvements here at amenities as well as more campsites and cabins in the future. We're just working through the regulatory issues and trying to get the entitlements in place before we can actually start breaking ground on those. So one of the things I was talking to you about before the show was you have this large portfolio of RV resorts that are located in different areas around the country. Yep. And we've been dealing on and off with this talk of recession, not recession. And I don't want to talk about that specifically, but... There certainly is a lot of parks out there who I've seen comment in Facebook groups who I've talked to personally who some are down in revenue and camper nights. Some are down just in camper nights, but revenue has been holding steady because they've been managing their rates appropriately. And I think that varies both on area of the country as well as type of camper, as well as all kinds of variables. So what are you seeing across your properties that maybe might help shed some light on this that could help some of the other owners out there? We've actually been very fortunate. I've heard mixed stories like that as well from other campground owners that I have a relationship with. But so far this year, we've been up in occupancy and revenue across the portfolio. Again, we've been very fortunate, very blessed. We're happy about that. But yes, there there certainly is. There certainly are some campgrounds that are experiencing a dip in occupancy, but seeing revenue growth or at least maintaining revenue year over year. And most of that is driven by rate. We have a little bit different strategy as far as that goes, because we want our parks to be full because we really are also heavily driven by ancillary revenues, not just site revenue. Yeah, especially at Jellystone, that definitely makes sense. Joe, what have you heard from your clients? Anything that you can point to as a pattern or help or advice? Or? I have not heard from our clients. As far as I've, I'm aware, most of our clients have had a a great summer. I haven't heard of any of them that they've told me of being down in terms of occupancy or reservations. Things have been just going along now. We normally don't have in-depth conversations about their revenue. It's just not the nature of the way we work, but I haven't had any complaints about it. Yeah. To be fair, that would be more in, in my neck of the woods when we're optimizing for ROI right. and marketing campaigns and things like that. But yeah, I haven't heard any terrible stories from anybody either. It's just there's less camper nights. But again, if you're managing your rates, which most of our clients are, then you're fine. But it's interesting to me how I can't quite put a pattern to 
why some parks are different than other parks yet in the traditional sense of sometimes you can blame it on more tourist areas versus non-tourist areas or areas of the country or and so it's just interesting but all right what sean what we, go, go ahead. I, I was just going to talk about a little bit what you were talking about there brian what we see at least what i'm seeing is that when having conversations with campgrounds that are down in occupancy what we've noticed is those particular parks were really driving rate hard from 2020 to 2022 and i think we are a we're in a different place in the country right now with regard to covid and and obviously the recession i think that maybe not raising the rate or so fast is I think that hurts some people, at least now. I would rather see, I would rather incentivize people to come to the parks by maybe taking a little bit less of a rate and knowing that I'm going to be able to capture the ancillary revenue and overall our occupancy and revenue as a total goes up. So different strategy, but the ones that seem to be struggling at least, or at least seeing the dip in occupancy, I think a lot of it has to do with rate. And I think this is a very interesting discussion, so I'm very glad you brought it up. Because often when you hear people talk about rate or revenue management, I think most people that I talk to tend to ask, how much are you raising prices to compensate for less camper nights using the example that we're just talking about? And I think the flip side of that is very brilliant, exactly what you just said. And certainly other people are doing it too. It's the, I want to get people in the door. And so I can accept a little bit less of an overnight rate because I know they're going to, and certainly in the case of Yogi, there's more merchandise, right? But in a normal RV resort, they're going to buy firewood. They might rent a golf cart. They might shop at my store. They might whatever. And so I think there's sometimes a tunnel vision that happens in all businesses, right? I have tunnel vision in mine. Joe probably has it in his with certain things, right? And so nobody's saying this is a campground or specific thing, but it's interesting that there are multiple different tactics you can use out of your kind of arsenal to solve this problem. Yep. Oh, Sean, I was going to ask you too, your other question about, we were talking about amenities before the show, right? So yep. as far as you're, you're pretty well known for producing some very high quality jelly stones with larger amenities like water slides and, and water parks and things like that. How do you as someone who comes in and either acquires a campground or is looking at what do I renovate or add as far as cabins or sites or new amenities, how do you decide from an ownership financial perspective that this A, makes sense for the guests that I currently have, which admittedly perhaps is a little bit easier with the Jellystone brand, but how do I understand one, does this make sense for my guests, but two, is it financially a good investment for me? And then what are my kind of criteria for ROI? Do I need to make a 5X? Do I need to pay it off within X number of years, those kinds of things. What factors into those decisions? There's actually a lot that we put into our business model whenever we're looking at adding amenities. And a lot of it's going to depend on how many sites and cabins can I get at that park? Do I have room to expand? Can I put enough revenue producing assets, meaning sites, cabins, lodging opportunities, glamping units? Can I put enough of those items in this park that can justify spending X amount of dollars on the amenities that we want to have? For example, I wouldn't want to put a lazy river in a park that I can only have 75 sites in. So it just, you can't justify it. You can't drive enough occupancy and revenue to pay for an amenity like that. So it's really going to depend on how big can your park be? And, and then what, you know, can you, what kind of return on investment can you get by earning the number of site nights per year to be able to pay for that? So, you know, that's the short answer of it. But as far as the type of amenities, water features are always going to be the most popular. 
So let's talk about, let's unpack just briefly this from a revenue standpoint, right? Let's pretend you have enough sites to justify it. And your campground's been going strong for a number of years, right? They're, the people are happy, they're coming there, they're great, but you're looking for ways to maybe bump up your rates a little bit, which is a much yep. trickier situation, right? Like maybe the market will support it, maybe not. Obviously, there are studies that you can do to ease your mind, but how do you take that leap as to far as like, maybe I have 400 sites, I want to add a water park because I think it's cool, I think my guests will like it, I think I can charge more. How do I get comfortable knowing as much as I can? So the approach that we take is number one is we look at the latitude that we're operating in. And if we're earning on the high end of the nights per year that we can earn at that latitude, then that means that we have the ability to raise rates without affecting our occupancy. If I have a 400 site park and I am at the high end of my occupancy and I cannot expand, I cannot add any more sites and there's there's no need to add more amenities to that park if you're already there. Now, if you have a park that you have 400 sites and you're only earning 50% of the nights per year that you can earn, maybe by adding a really nice water feature will help drive demand and, and get more interest and allow you to earn more nights per year. So I think a lot of it is going to be based on where are you performing and where can you go up if you add it? Or is it going to be the same if you add it no matter what? We would never want to add something if our revenue is not going to change. And an incremental increase in rate is not enough to drive that, in my opinion. It has to be driven by occupancy and rate. Brian, I need to plug this computer in before I lose you. Can you hold on one second? Yeah, absolutely. Joe, okay. what do you think as far as amenities being added? What's important to you from the camper side of the space? I think I'm... I definitely think Sean is completely right. Water features is definitely a driver. Having any time we go to a park, as you mentioned earlier, I have six children in tow with me. If that resort has a lazy river, if that resort has a place for them to swim, a nice pool, like something with something fun, a water slide or something like that, that's the one that they talk about. And the one that they continue to talk about is the one that we are more likely to go back to. And I mentioned before the show, my children and I were actually just up at the Jellystone in Pittsfield, Pine Lakes that Sean has. And we got there, we pulled in, we were bringing our camper. Sean donated to stay for our school's dinner auction. And we were parking it for the people that rented our RV for that. And my children wanted to come right away. And they're like, can we stay and play? No, we actually don't have a site here. <laughs> so now we have to go back because they saw, it's probably the second largest amount of water equipment in the lake that I've seen at any park before. And then two big water slides that they were just added and two huge jumping pillows. And it was probably for the size of the park and the, the how big the amenities are, see might almost be one of the ones that have the most amenities per site that we've met to. Sean, that's going to go a long way to make our children happy. So speaking of that park in particular, is part of that whole expansion was we added 40 sites and 30 new cabins at the same time that we built the new water features. So we still have room with the existing land that we have, even if we're not able to acquire adjacent land, we still have room to add more sites and cabins. So us putting in those water features, certainly with the assets that we have there now, can certainly justify having it. But we also have room to expand even more without having to add more water features and more amenities because the, there's enough there to accommodate more people. I think that's really an interesting discussion that you bring up that there's this 
there's this desire, like for me, right? I always want bigger, better, more exciting, new things, right? And so I can certainly understand the debate inside your head as far as I want to have a water slide, but then what are the calculations go into it? And maybe I only have 75 sites or I have 200 sites or I have 600 sites, but I'm already 90% occupied. So like you're talking about, there's that, I want that water slide, but that rate justification increase doesn't work. So if I'm in that position, is there a situation where I would consider converting RV sites to cabins or glamping to make more money for my sites to justify that if that's the direction I really want to go? Again, it's going to be, we look at everything based on demand. So let's just say, for example, at that latitude, if I can earn 130 nights a year in a cabin and I can get 250 to $300 a night for that, and I'm at the very high end of, of my earning potential for that type of unit, and I'm down in my sites, and, I, and there's nothing that I can do to get my site occupancy up or whatever, but you, so the demand for lodging is higher, then I would certainly be leaning toward, okay, do we want to cannibalize some sites in an area that, that might make more sense to be more of a cabin village rather mm-hmm. than sites? But we don't like mixing unit types amongst each other. So for example, I would not want to take a section of sites and put cabins in there in the middle of a section of sites. I like, we like a design to where this type of unit is in one location versus another type versus sites. We like to have it broken out that way in sections. Is there any calculation that goes into your mind as far as maybe I could open this to the public or maybe I could make ancillary revenue through tube rentals or right? More food or anything like that? Sure. Some parks, we do have day use offerings and other parks we do not. And a lot of that has to, a lot of that really depends on how much parking do I have available for people to come in outside the park? Can I accommodate those people? And another thing that we look at too, in certain markets for sure is, do I want to charge somebody $20 a day to come in here whenever, let's just say at a park that's high demand and I'm getting a premium rate. If I'm charging somebody, let's just say a hundred bucks a night for a site, and, and they have use of the amenities in the park, and they're spending $300 on the weekend for a three-night stay, plus whatever they're going to spend in the park. Do we want to allow somebody to come in for a little bit of additional ancillary revenue at 15 bucks a night to enjoy the same amenities? So we look at a lot of that, and a lot of it's driven by the market, where it's located, what do we have available, parking. It's. I don't think that there's a just a yes or no answer to that. No, I think you not. just have to do a lot of analysis and see what that really is going to do for you. For the Jellystone Park that in Pittsfield that you went to, Joe, we do have a day use offering there. We also have one at our Jellystone Park in Monticello, Iowa. We do not do day use offerings at Paradise Ranch in Mississippi. I think it really it just it depends on a lot of factors, but. If you do have a Wibbit water course like we have up there, day use can be a very nice ancillary revenue stream. So the key takeaway yeah, I got from all that is that Joe could have let his kids stay, even without. Yeah, yeah it was. It would have been cheaper. It would have been cheaper to rent a site for our family. <laughs> uh, I, I actually did the math on that. I was like, yeah, we'll just stay for the weekend. With that, we actually have a customer that this summer asked me how to set this up on their app to implement it out, but. What they do is Sunday after checkout until Thursday before check-in, they do day use in three-hour increments. So they have three-hour increments, I think 15 people per increment. Then they can just go online and book and then pay their $7.50 per person or $5 per person. 
and they're only allowing 15 people in at a time. And it's during the week when they're slow. So it's not overwhelming the amenities. And at the same time, it is not, it's giving locals, this is in a larger city, it's giving locals the ability to use their amenities. And also it's advertising, right? More word of mouth because people see it. Oh yeah, we really like their pool. And I thought that was a neat thing to add. And it was a good idea the way they time box that. So they didn't overwhelm anything. The word of mouth thing is actually really interesting to me because obviously that's been talked about for a long time in campground and RV park spaces. I'll get more people in here and they'll see my campsite and maybe they'll want to come back and stay at the RV resort, either in an RV rental or eventually buying their own rig one day or in a tent, right? I think it's very interesting how that conversation has changed now though because now if you've got cabins or glamping, you open yourself up to a whole like probably 30x audience that now sure. has the ability to very easily stay at a hotel guest would versus somebody who has to purchase an RV. For sure. When I had a family that actually I'm, I talked to up at Sean's Park that we know, and they asked, we were thinking of where we should go on our next vacation. We wanted to go a little further away, but they don't actually have a camper. They were renting ours. And so I said, a, a great campground that we've been to that has a lot of cabins and isn't too far from us in St. Louis area would be the Jellystone in, in Mammoth Cave. They have tons of cabins there, so they can bring in that audience. And there's also a large course as well there, and they're next to a national park. And we've been there twice, enjoyed it thoroughly. And so I pointed them in that direction because, yeah, they don't have an RV. Here's a great place that I know that you can go to and enjoy camping, but not camping. So who owns the name of cave now? I know that's completely off topic, but I know Bill and Kay. Saw that's, it that's, that's a park that's owned by sun and managed by blue water. Okay. I thought it was a, okay. I thought it was a big group to take it over, but anyway, sorry, we don't want to get distracted on that, but yeah, that's a great park for sure. I've never been there, but we used to work with Bill and Kay. So what else do we have to talk about guys? Do you want to keep down the revenue path? I like the idea idea of those of day use passes for certain things because we built a six uh, six pickleball courts pickleball courts aren't readily everywhere here there are a few and different we have enough space that we could have a pickleball tournament here i don't know how to play pickleball yet but i guess i'll have to learn but our i don't really know how either to the front nearby so we'll try to during the week that we've played we played a couple games of it and i just like on a tennis court where the hybrid court is in between it it's not mm -hmm. a true pickleball court and we just decide yeah. at random intervals which tape lines we're going to follow it, there's no random like i'm sure there's rules <laughs> we, to it but yeah we played two or three times this year and now starting next tuesday will be the first time in 11 years that we have three days with no children in the house and our plan is actually to play pickleball some of those mornings after we drop the kids off at school, since we have a little bit of childless time. And that's one thing, but I was going to say, we have another customer actually in Louisiana that they're building a pickleball court and they were asking, okay, how do we go and rent or allow our guests to reserve these times? And what if people that aren't in the park reserve it? Well, charge them. You know, if it, it's free to reserve it, if you're a guest, if you're not, charge them for it and make that ancillary revenue. I said, just make sure you're not doing it in a way that impacts the guests, kind of like Sean was saying, that impact the guests that are actually already there to enjoy your amenities. You got to make sure that you're 
engaging them the most and making sure that their experience is the best. I'm about so. to do something that's going to impact our guests that are here to enjoy Sean and Joe and Leanne. And that's like somebody's back with groceries and is about to walk in and make a bunch of noise. But anyway, <laughs> I just wanted to set the preface for that. In case you guys hear any banging or anything, it's all okay. Setting expectations. Yeah. You're going full circle back from the beginning, Ryan. Exactly. <laughs> Segwaying to the end. The whole thing was planned to do that. Um, If you're contemplating on doing a day use program, one that works very well. uh Again, we've you for us, it's really very market specific on how we decide what we're going to do. But a very friendly thing to do is a Sunday through Thursday offering for day use. That way, your guests that are staying there on the weekend paying Uh your weekend rates are not impacted by that. Yeah, I like what you were saying about those times. Yeah, the day you. Sorry, the boss is yeah. here. <laughs> oh, is the boss actually getting in the Jeep? I was confused there for a second whether she was joking Sorry. and it was the dog or what's that? Who's the boss? No. We want to see the boss. It was the boss. He brought me checks. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's a good thing about parts under construction. Sometimes you have to pay the people. I think Sean. Uh, frozen, on. yeah. But he looks like he was about to well, say something north. impactful and important, which is typical for Sean. So that's why we have him as a guest on the show. So what else do you want to talk about in the last five minutes? The last thing I was going to say, Leanne, is you're in a very similar to the one that I spoke to that does that day use on a time basis throughout the week. You're in a similar, similarly sized location as well. And that's it in the city that they're in your city, probably both about mid-sized cities and you have a large audience to pull from there. You might even have people coming from the casino. That might come in very handy. I don't know if it were me, I probably would, and I've never owned an RV park, as Brian says uh, all the time, but I think I would probably wait and be open for a little while and understand yeah. what your season, your clientele looks like before implementing that, unless you know that you're going to be very light on certain days. But hey, if you want to come down, I've got a cabin for you, and all the kids can play pickleball at once. We'll bring our Class A, and we there's a good chance it'll happen. <laughs> yeah. All right, you're offering Joe a free cabin? Is that what you're doing? So I feel like Joe will go. <laughs> we don't, we'll see. We don't I'll, fit I'll in any cabins. <laughs> we don't fit in any cabins. A free ah, site is what I meant. We bring our own. Free site. <laughs> She said cabin first, didn't she? And then you corrected her. We'll, and talk, then I just we'll talk, Joe. We'll talk. <laughs> Sounds good. Imagine the people, Leanne. Like, this is, this is a long term investment for you. This is a long term investment for you, Leanne. There are yeah. six children who, for the next 40 years, will only talk about Tiger Trails RV Resort because they have a great experience there. You can't buy that brand awareness anywhere. Absolutely. Joe's an investment. That is true. That, that is true. That's There's an amazing a, investment. Two or three campgrounds. There's two or three campgrounds that they tell everybody about. So that's it. All right. <laughs> and they love their lazy rivers. So it's got a lazy river that's already made the list. I haven't even been there yet. <laughs> All right. What else are we got to talk about? Anything hey. else, real quick, for the last four minutes? <laughs> How do no, uh, ready. Tiger Trail RV Resort is going to open September 1st? How do we find more information about Tiger's Trail? September 1st. Tigerstrailrvresort.com. You'll notice you can start looking up the dates and make your reservations now. Hurry before we're full. 
why is it named Tiger's Trail? Do you have a trail with tigers throughout the park? Ryan, I didn't realize that until this call. This During is a trail to the tigers, the LSU tigers. Sorry. I'm a, I live in Canada now. I'm disconnected from this. <laughs> I saw an ad for Tiger's Trail. Not an ad. I saw one of the a developer that I think worked with you that had a booth at one of our shows that we went to. And I saw Tiger's Trail RV uh-huh. Resort. And I wasn't sure like what the premise of the concept was there. And then when you got on the call and so your Baton Rouge, ah, that's the premise of it. <laughs> Sorry. I'm Everything's now- a tiger here. I'm a Canadian. Everything's purple. I'm an American <laughs> transplant to Canada. So now purple I'm hockey. Gold. So I'm not a. Yeah. On Sundays, everything turns black and gold for the Saints. <laughs> That's right. That's right. All right. Wow. Anything else? Any closing thoughts, Joe? Nope. Joe, obviously, from at my community, we should give like a plug to Joe once in a while, right? Yeah, you can go to our website. We actually got a new website about know, two weeks ago at mycommunity.com. What's uh, new about it? Show you what we do. Mainly copy. We we are not marketers, and we I'm a developer, and we get excited about features. And here's the things we have, and this is what we do, and, we, and the nice shiny things that we do. Whereas we had to work with somebody, say no, tell them what you're doing for them, because that's just not what we, the way we had marketed ourselves, and we don't look at it in that direction just a new copy new design new layout awesome i'll have to go check it out thank you leanne for being here from tiger trails rv resort super excited to hear all your jokes and love the thank you for having me and we're excited we'll have to check back in with you and see how things are going maybe early next year or something to see how your progress is going and maybe some of the things like i love hearing the story we'll be rolling yeah, I'm excited to hear the things like, I thought this was going to go this way, but it did go this way, or it might be better and it might be worse, or it might be a little bit of both or whatever. I think those insights are very useful for the audience to hear. As always, thank you, Joe, for joining us from at my community. Sean had drop off internet connections here, but super excited to have his insights and thoughts as always from Four Points. And we will see you guys next week on another episode of MC Fireside Chats. Take care, guys. Thanks, Brian. Nice to meet you, Leanne. Thanks for joining us for this episode of MC Fireside Chats. With your host, Brian Searle. Have a suggestion for a show idea? Want your campground or company in a future episode? Email us at hello at moderncampground.com. Get your daily dose of news from moderncampground.com. And be sure to join us next week for more insights into the fascinating world of outdoor hospitality.